and welcome to Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma. I am Panda, I am your host, and I am here with my co-host Alice. Hi, Alice. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing all right, actually. Just got a rainy day. Yes, it has been very rainy in our neck of the woods. Uh, We're also here with Cass. Hi, Cass. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great because I'm here with someone that uh, we have not had on this show in, I believe, at least a calendar year, if not longer, which I think may be a crime in some places. <laughs> Hi, Abby. Hey, Pan. Great to How be back. You? I'm doing well. It is not rainy. I wish it were rainy, so it would be a little less hot in New York. But, you know, <laughs> we can all dream. Has it been, really been a whole year? I. I don't, I have not looked to see when Abby's last episode was. But... It was probably the, the tabletop RPG stuff. Uh, yeah. It was early oh. pandemic. Yes, it was, uh, it was early pandemic. Wow. Unfortunately, we can count August of 2020 as early in the pandemic now. F. <laughs> uh, p- press F to pay respects for us. Uh, we are here for another Yurikuma episode, and specifically, we're starting the Yurikuma manga. And Abby's here to help us with that because Abby, you read the Yurikuma manga before you watched the anime. Sure did, sure did. Um, it was one of those things where it was the last um Ikuni like major like Ikuni work and in, in the canon as it were that I had not seen or read and I was like well why the heck not switch things up and read the manga before I watch the anime and so that's what I did getting a hold of the manga uh right before lockdown actually yeah you rented these from your local library yeah they lived for me they lived with me for like an entire year basically because the library just you know stop taking books so. yeah i mean what can you do you know they were there you know as much as you know it wasn't my favorite manga in the world spoiler alert um i i am fond of how they were on my bedside table for like a year they keep you warm <laughs> something like that uh so listeners if you for some reason uh have not listened to any of our previous episodes with abby which you should go ahead and do that why would you not do that <laughs> You already know Abby's history with Utena, but Abby, how did you, what were your feelings and thoughts going into Yuri Kuma? Well, I was, I had heard things. It, I, I, I know um, it's not Ikohara's most popular work. Um, I would say actually probably Penguin Drum's a little, probably more popular with American fans, but less so with Japanese fans. And I knew it was incredibly you know sexualized especially in the anime um <laughs> i knew there were bears of course and yeah kind of the yuri bear storm so it was yuri all this stuff like i didn't know a whole heck of a lot going in i just i kind of knew it was the it, it's the most overtly horny of ikuhara's <laughs> i would say which is saying a lot because some of the other stuff is pretty horny but like specifically horny with girls you know because Sarazan mm-hmm. might definitely has its moments. But yeah, so that's what I did going in. And I knew it probably was not going to be my favorite. As much as I have issues with Penguin Drum, I love those penguins with all my life. And I'm like, the bear aesthetic's okay, but it's not my thing. But it, in my mind, it's, you know, very much so in that place with Sarazan Mai. And 
Penguin Drum, at least art style wise, it's, mm. it's very similar. Yes, they are very similar yeah. art style wise. Yeah, and they stand out a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I knew it was also probably going to be the most overtly gay of all of <laughs> his. I mean, it's, it's just judging by the title alone, I think one can infer that pretty pretty readily. <laughs> and I would say, having watched the anime and read the manga, that's probably the case. I would I would argue. Yes. Yeah. I, I think so as well. Was there anything about your experience with Yuri Kuma that mm-hmm. surprised you in comparison to like basically what you were aware of based on reputation? Hmm. I'm trying to think. It pretty much was about what I expected, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The the manga less so in terms of like the the kind of, you know, sexual in- imagery. Mm-hmm. Donnie may definitely I think followed through on that for me, but the manga less so it definitely is a little softer yeah in terms of things that i expected or kind of followed through yeah i mean i knew it was weird i knew it was bears and it was girls in love and it's about it's, what you it, get yeah that's about what you get um it's <laughs> it's pretty comprehensible i think thematically for all its kind of weirdness but i think that's pretty true of anytime yukuhara goes really surreal it's actually i think a little easier to understand but this is coming from somebody who loves the Utena movie and thinks it's actually really easy to parse in terms of symbols and such. Ikuhara work can be easier to parse than people give it credit for sometimes. Yeah, especially with this. I mean, because this was, you know, in terms of chronology, the last Ikuhara work I experienced, despite definitely not being that way in terms of how the works, how, when the works came out, mm-hmm. you know, he has his own set of symbolic language and tropes that he uses so once you kind of get familiar with those, like, you'll either love them or roll your eyes or both. And uh, Yuri Kuma definitely falls in that. Um, yeah, definitely. you kind of know that language. Yeah. Allison Cass, you guys, how, how did you feel going into Yuri Kuma the manga? Was this, had either of you read it before we were going to do I, these episodes? I, I knew the manga from Reputation as the one where... Can I give a spoiler? Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I yeah. feel like, uh, people who are listening to this probably, you know, maybe, maybe they're going into it without knowledge, but also like, I feel like if you're going into this without having read the manga, then you're probably just waiting on us to tell you what happens. So like, yeah. Okay. I, I'm just going to spoil the most divisive plot element for people who are familiar with the anime first that I think this manga has, which is... I will also say that I uh, have not read past this first volume, so the only thing I can contribute... The bears aren't real. There are no actual bears in this manga. The bear thing is entirely in the heads of some of the characters. (laughs) Okay. And the reason it's in their heads is kind of not my favorite plot point. I am, so I, I like heard about that going in and I was like, oh, I, I don't even know how you do Yurikuma with that being the twist. And yeah. I read the manga, uh, the answer is you just don't do Yurikuma. The manga <laughs> is fundamentally um, the high school AU for Yurikuma that no one actually asked for because it was already a high school series, but that nobody is mad about existing either. It's very, very cute, very conventional. 
if you really like buying like little Yuri anthologies, you will probably enjoy reading this manga. Is my feeling. So this is our uh, Kureha Subaki raising project. Yes. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. I was actually expecting. I was expecting it to have a similar interplay with the with the anime that the Utena manga did. Mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. sort of a you can kind of read the Utsuna manga as a if the Utsuna anime is sort of the abstracted version of the story the Utsuna manga is a slightly more grounded version and yeah. they are largely going the same direction mm-hmm. which is not what I got but that's what I was expecting going in yeah and how do you feel now um the Yurikuma the the anime and Yurikuma the manga are not going the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, they appear mm-hmm. to be going the same direction, but some elements of them make like they do have the same beats, but in completely different contexts. It's not just the whether bears are real, um, the meaning of things like the bears and the meaning of things like their Kuriakiko's relationship stuff changes pretty radically mm-hmm. i i think you could argue for it being kind of similar with uh, if you're familiar with evangelion with evangelion you have kind of a um this dichotomy between end of evangelion and the actual show end where the show mm-hmm. end can kind of be read as a the mental spiritual version por- portion of this and the end of evangelion can kind of be read as the more grounded physical version if you put them together it doesn't work perfectly, but you can kind of read them that way, and it's interesting, and it helps kind of understand what's going on. You can do this with Yurikuma, but it is way more difficult to do, <laughs> and you kind of have to either just skip some stuff or just be willing to go, oh, halfway through. Yeah. Yeah, I, as somebody who came to the anime after the manga, I remember being very confused. Not confused, like... I don't know what's happening, but it definitely, especially from the first episode, even of the anime, like it just really radically deviated in terms of both tone and also just plot points, like just what happened to characters, which I thought was pretty unusual, especially coming in with that mindset of like Utena manga versus Utena anime. Yeah, like Utena manga at least has everyone kind of show up in more or less the same place they do in the anime. Yeah, same kind of general beats, even if it's approached from a more you know, shoujo manga convention standpoint, which there definitely is some of that in here, especially when I was rereading it. It definitely was like, oh yeah, these are all these shoujo manga beats. But But, it just... But like, the place because characters get introduced even is wildly Mm -hmm. off. Several characters have roles merged or transformed entirely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess the other big spoiler for this is that uh, Riza Hawkeye is not one of the antagonists in the manga. Yeah, that was a huge uh, twist for me when I was watching anime. I was like, oh, we can't have nice things. I mean, granted, I will say outright, I do not like her character journey in the manga, but I was hopeful that it would be better in the anime, and it was not. It was bad in a different way. Like, <laughs> like oh, she's our Akio stand-in, but Ikuhara really doesn't know how to do this with women and how to actually engage with those tropes when, you know, there's a different kind of authority figure because like male versus female authority figures definitely hold I, a different uh, weight. 
I have a soft spot for Eureka in the anime, but I mean, like, I, she's I, still my favorite character. <laughs> I, I just, I also agree that I think that Ikuni kind of stumbles when it comes to actually like actualizing what he's probably trying to do with her as a character. Yeah, and I think her her flashback episode in anime is definitely my favorite, and I mm-hmm. thought it was incredibly well done, incredibly poignant, but frankly it reminds me a lot i won't say much because i know you haven't finished penguin drum but it, it, there's a similar issue in penguin drum with this kind of female adult figure and i just think he just this is why i saw it as on my many ways is more successful because he's like he was better equipped to do it talking about men and male authority figures yeah um i think yeah uh you know it's I also, going into this, was expecting closer to the Utena manga, where it hits most of the same beats, but Mm -hmm. just does it in a very different way. And I was also surprised that this is as different as it is from its anime counterpart. And what makes that even more interesting to me is that Ikuhara wrote this. Are we sure about that? Because it doesn't say his name. It, if you see, the cover of the book says that the story is by Ikuni Gomaki Nako. Mm-hmm. This is a pen name for Ikuhara. This is like, okay. it, it is like concrete knowledge that this mm-hmm. is a pen name. I mean, the Ikuni in the beginning okay. is, is also kind of a tell, but the story was by him and you know hmm. with the way that manga is made i don't know if maybe he just like did like the basic like story beats and then like the illustrator took it and like actually worked everything out like scene by scene and maybe that's why it doesn't feel as ikuni as like his other work i don't know i you know i don't know what the the creative process for this was but we do know for a fact that he wrote the story for this which means he was creating this different version of the story that coincides with yurikuma the anime yeah i'm it's very curious that he wrote it because it's just i don't really know so the differences he did must have been you know like supplemental thematically or something one thing that especially strikes me is you know yes there's i think it, it's one of those i don't want to say it loses a lot in because i think i don't know when they were written like which was first if this was an adaptation or if there were, it was kind of more like the utsuna manga the manga was serialized in jintosha's comic Burt's magazine from okay. February 28th, 2014 through April 30th, 2016, which oh, wow. means that it began before and ended after the airing of the anime. So that's that's really interesting. The anime was going on in the middle of all this. Interesting. Yeah, because it's like I, I just really am curious and I, I'm excited to reread especially the last couple of volumes because I just read the first one for today mm-hmm. to kind of see like now I've watched the anime kind of maybe what he was going for what he was looking to add I do think it loses some of the the horror elements you get oh in the yes anime, 100% which is like kind of <sighs> there are so many less at least as far as I can tell with this volume I can't speak for the rest of the series but there are basically none yeah like yeah. all of the horror references are just gone 
And I don't know how much of that is by consequence of the genre and just like the rather than the medium, because it's just harder to translate that. But I think of something like Higurashi, which would have been a really good kind of precedent or kind of an example of this, that it has those kind of it looks kind of innocent and cutesy on the outside, but it has these horrific elements therein. And it wouldn't have to be that explicit, but well, there's a couple of points where like it teases that it could. Like we get some There of the are a few panels well, that are so good. Yeah. And then it's just kind of doesn't follow through. The threatening looking ginkgo in like the very first chapter. And it's like, no, we're never going to explore this. Yeah. It feels very under underrealized. But I mean it makes sense. Like, I mean, I'd forgotten that there really aren't real they really aren't real bears. So it's like perhaps it's like because there's not that actual physical aspect of that horror he's choosing not to indulge in that but you can do a thriller kind of psychological thing just as easily like it's it's a bit of a wasted opportunity i think but it's it's cute (laughs) question mark yeah it's it's interesting we'll probably talk about this just as we're going through the manga but i was looking around online about like opinions on yuri kuma and something that i kept seeing from specifically people who did not really care for the anime was I kept seeing people say that they really liked the manga and they thought that the manga was so much better and that it does the characters so much better. Uh, Did we ask them if they think the third Godfather movie is the best? Well, because that's big. I think the worst Godfather movie is the best energy. I mean, I assume that Ikuhara thinks so because he had that whole extended Godfather 3 reference in uh, Sarah's and my. I, I feel like we've established that. Like version of your I feel like we've established that, um, that his opinions are wrong also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ikuhara has also never seen Rose of Versailles. So who fucking knows about this man? <laughs> because as much as I think that the manga is enjoyable and worth reading if you're curious it is i'm sorry it's just the inferior version of the story i, I mean i will say ways. like i didn't actually talk to anyone about like i didn't ask anyone about their opinion on this or, or like get any further explanation from just seeing people be like uh the yuri kuma manga is so much better it does the characters so much better like i, I think what they're really saying is that they read the manga and the manga gave them what they wanted because what they wanted yeah. was essentially what the manga is, which is a largely uncomplicated melodramatic love story between girls. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the anime is kind of like five other things and deliberately makes itself harder to... The anime deliberately kind of hides major elements of characters' personalities from the viewer until like the last few episodes for the sake of suspense. Mm-hmm. So like... It's very natural for me that, like, a lot of people would like how the manga handles them better because the manga, like, Ginko is never threatening. She starts as best girl. Oh, and yeah, she's, like, girl. not even for a moment. Like, Yeah, Kureha is a lot closer to her personality at the end of the anime at the beginning of the manga. Yes. There's a lot of, like, more spunk. I do recall that, you know, when I came back to reading the manga, I was like, oh, they have, like, a lot more personality than I remember, like, at the beginning of the anime. All right, guys, do we think that maybe there is also Yuri Kuma time loops theory? No. No. Not really. I don't, 
I don't think it's that well structured or that interesting in terms of difference. No, you're, the the manga reads like it was the first thing he ever wrote, and um, he's like, oh yeah. yeah, I should come back and redo this. We're getting like the initial it's like first draft, 1989 not first version. Yes, we're seeing the first and the last draft here. Yeah, you know, like, I actually I, contrast. I kind of you know because there's no way that we will get any information on this unless no. he like by some miracle does some sort of interview where he talks about it but he won't he like ikuni's never gonna give us any in-depth answers like this but like i wonder if maybe because it started coming out before the you know i mean i know that manga and anime are made on different timetables so like you can never really say like definitively which one was in production first but i wonder if perhaps the manga includes maybe some first draft or not maybe not even first draft but early draft ideas for yuri kuma that he ended up deciding to do differently as he was making the anime yeah i'd be i'd be curious i mean it, it strikes me maybe as kind of like his you know finals final paper um pulled an all-nighter banged out the scripts <laughs> And then was like, all right, cool, Yuri, Yuri Bearstorm, we got this. And then I, I'd be curious as well in terms of collaboration, if he collaborated more with others in anime. I mean, there's a different process there. Yeah. But. Or even, you know, like, mm -hmm. if he may. Well, thank you, um, Siren, for breaking up the flow <laughs> of the conversation. I'm surprised it was you and not me, Pan. <laughs> Or, you know, like, if maybe even Ikuhara collaborated with the illustrator for the manga over the course of making the manga, and maybe that's how some of those changes came about, you know, like, we just, we don't know. There's not really a way of knowing. If I had to guess, it really is down to the fact that because the manga began running before and ended after the anime, it was sort of a trial run for these characters, because mm -hmm. you can see a lot of the things that end up eventually being a more kind of like fleshed out version of the anime showing up in the manga. And we also see some things in the manga that just don't happen in the anime. I am still not sure where Glasses Kureha came from, but I will not complain. You know, I feel like Glasses Kureha is one of those things where like... If you had shown me a picture of Kareha with glasses, I would have been like, yeah, she probably wears glasses in the beginning of the anime. That feels like that fits. And then I find out that, no, like, she only has glasses in this. Yeah. I, I actually, I think, like, the biggest change was that, like, the anime chose to be a suspense story as well as a love story. Mm -hmm. It's kind of got the energy of... An erotic thriller where no one actually has sex <laughs> is basically the the energy of the anime. I mean, it's, not for lack of trying. Not for lack of trying, but like, that's kind of the energy it goes for. It deliberately obfuscates information about some characters that the manga is a lot more open about. Mm -hmm. It deliberately kind of plays with, you know, this character's personality is secretly more like this, and in the early episodes, so you're a little more not sure who to trust. Yeah. Whereas in the manga, like, they want you to trust Ginkgo right away, they want you to trust Kureha and Lulu right away, so when, like, they do bring in some elements that suggest maybe, like, 
we're not getting the whole story about this character, you get a lot more desperate for like a plot twist to come in and undo what appears to be a bad thing uh faster yeah in the anime it's like if you're watching it for the first time if if my viewing experience was typical anyway the the experience goes like oh these girls are kind of sus though oh never mind they're actually really really good (laughs) or were they ever really good but i want them to be good why can't they just stay good please stop doing this to my heart and then the anime ends and you go like this is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen (laughs) i first i feel like at first you think lou's gonna be mostly the same but she's a lot more aggressive we're getting okay this is the the thing i feel like lulu in this manga at least for volume one we are also getting a lot of just first episode first two episodes lulu this is the lulu Mm. that's like when ginkgo is on the roof of the school and watching kareha with sumika in the garden and is like upset about it and lulu's like oh ginkgo i love the way you smell and she's like sniffing her butt like we're getting maximum that kind of lulu throughout this entire volume yes Lulu engages dumb horny brain and refuses to disengage. It goes a little quicker in the anime because you're just watching a 24, 27 minute show and then like it's over. Whereas like reading, you probably sit with it a little bit longer. So it it probably seems like a little more intense than you might remember Lulu in the beginning of the anime. But like, it's very similar. I think we're also seeing more of her than we did in the first couple episodes, just cumulatively. Yeah, it's, it's definitely but we are Lulu. It's maximum horny Lulu for this first volume, for sure. Yes. And I can't, you know, again, I can't speak for the rest of the manga. Maybe this just keeps up and Ikuhara realized when writing the anime that he might want to give her more character traits. But we'll see. Uh, so... I have some very brief background info on the manga. It, yeah, sure. As I mentioned, it is the author is attributed as Ikuni Go Maki Nako, which is a pen name that Ikuhara is using for some reason. He only seems to have used it for this project. So I don't I don't know what the significance of that is, but you know. The man works in mysterious ways, I guess. Uh, It was illustrated by Akiko Morishima, who I was not really familiar with, but did like a really good job with translating the Yurikuma visual style to manga form, I think. I'd agree, yeah. Nobody is Chiho Saito, but also Chiho Saito would be not very well suited to this project. And I really like the art in this manga. I think it, it does a good job. It's very cute and... Sometimes, like, we get these cartoony facial expressions that I just really love, especially when, like, Ginkgo is angry. She gets, like, a, almost a little bit of her bare face, and it's just so cute. I love it. What's the name of that illustrator again? Akiko Morishima. Akiko Morishima. According to Wikipedia, her longest-running thing was a six-year-long Yuri manga called nice. uh, The Conditions of Paradise. Okay, so... Uh... <laughs> the Conditions of Paradise person. Yeah. Oh. I'm not familiar with this, but I mean, a years-long Yuri manga seems like perfect training for 
for working on this. Conditions of Paradise is an early uh, 2000s uh, Yuri manga. It's pretty okay. It's not my favorite, but I also think it's pretty good. It's mostly pretty good. Uh, I would say that it's one of the interesting things about it. The thing that's notable about it is that in an era where most Yuri manga is set in like high school or college, both of the characters are like pre-graduate age. Oh, hell yeah. That's nice. Yep. We love stories about adults. Such a, such a novel concept, it seems, sometimes. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I'd just like to point out that the magazine that ran this eventually ran uh, one of my favorite Yuri manga. I married my best friend to shut my parents up. Oh, I have not read that, but I am familiar with it. It's very funny. It's, it's, it's really good. I remember when that came out. I've been meaning to read it. It seemed really cute. It is absolutely readable. It's very great. It's it is pretty cute. I should have recognized. Uh, I should have recognized this was the person who did uh, Conditions of Paradise because, like, one of the characters in Conditions of Paradise that has the um, darker hair mm-hmm. looks exactly like a long hair version of the way that she draws Ginko. It is uncanny now yeah. that I see it. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, but yeah, as we mentioned, this was serialized from February of 2014 to April of 2016. It was released in English by Tokyo Pop, risen from the fucking dead. If you read manga in the early 2000s, you probably remember the name Tokyo Pop and haven't seen them in a while for a variety of reasons that you can Google. <laughs> but I. Uh, <laughs> Tokyo Pop uh, published Yurikuma Arashi under the name Yuri Bear Storm uh, starting in January of 2019. And also apparently a novelization of Yurikuma that was written by Ikuhara Takayo Ikami and Kei Takahashi and illustrated by uh, Akiko Morishima from this manga that was published in gentosha comics in 2015 i don't know anything about that novelization i found out about it when i was just doing basic research for this episode and i have no idea if anyone has translated it audience if you know please let me know i probably could have dug into this a little deeper but you know uh i had a lot of notes to take as my co-hosts here can tell by the 18 pages of notes I have for one volume of manga. So if, if you know anything about the novelization of Yurikuma and like if it exists in English, I don't know if I'll read it because I famously do not read, but you can send it our way. And I bet Cass will be interested. Oh boy. Our resident Yurikuma lover. Yes, I am the resident Yurikuma lover. <laughs> so... Yes, as as we're about to find out, the Yurikuma manga is very different from the anime. We've been talking about it for about half an hour now, and now we're going to find out for real. Guess it's time to dive in. Get those receipts. Yeah, get get out the receipts. So, um, we're just going to start with um the phrase Alice, how do you pronounce this word? A R C H E. You are the one who knows dead language bullshit. Archie? Um, well, first off, it's it's Greek, so I don't know Greek uh, on purpose. It's all Greek to you. Fuck the Greeks. Good, good for you. But uh, to answer your question, I don't know how this is said because my only reference to this word is the word that has come into English that is either a minarchy or minarch, minarch. 
you know, I'm gonna pronounce it archaic, like it, like archetype, because I oh, think that's root. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, we have Arche and Telos, beginning and the end. The beginning point and the purpose or end of all things. The teleological suspension of the Earth sign. Yeah, I looked up uh, the Merriam-Webster definition of Arche, like I'm writing a uh, a wedding speech. I'm I'm disappointed you didn't use the Oxford English Dictionary, but I'll 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 forget it. I just I, I'm joking. Merriam no, Abby, I really just typed it into Google because I was like, what the fuck does this word mean? And then I wrote this down in my notes, and then the next page. <laughs> the manga told me so <laughs> well you know i'm proud of you panned i tried to be educated and cite a source this really just goes back to my theory that ikuhara was writing a term paper because what term paper does not begin like a final paper with a dictionary definition you easiest way to break the ice in a paper also the most annoying way because <sighs> So many people do it. You're grading all these papers and oh my god, look, another dictionary definition. I, I think I hacked it, frankly. I wonder if any of your students have ever listened to this podcast. I and do not, not know. It is possible because I made them watch Uchina. <laughs> if you're listening, I have no regrets. Cass, why don't you tell us about Curry House Dream? Oh lord. Okay. So... This manga begins on the words, bears are the arca of everything, which is like the beginning point of everything, the primal element of everything. So we open on Kureha, whose face we do not see until she wakes up having a dream. She has the same dream every night. She has to run away because bears are going to eat her. And another girl shows up dressed as a bear, and it's Kinko. And she says, Yuri shall challenge Telos. Arca is the beginning and Telos is the end. Bears are the beginning and the end of the world. Kureha asks Ginko what she's talking about, and Ginko hugs her and says, even if the world was swept up in an invisible storm, I'd still find you. Kureha says, that's right, this is a dream. A dream about bears, storms, and lilies. Just the same old dream. Dream's over. So... What's making me mad is I know what Ginko's referencing there now, and it sounds like it's going to be this big reveal about, like, something core to the universe, if you're thinking of the paradigm of the the anime's metaphor that it goes mm-hmm. with for bears. And it's not. It's, it's, it's like an excruciatingly literal thing. <laughs> I'm not surprised. He just, he couldn't deliver on his thesis, I'm telling you. He set you up, and he never delivered. Term paper, first draft. He didn't edit. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm flunking and Cooney out of um my my crappy manga university. Oh, I mean, this is at least passing. You know, maybe, maybe yeah, if you're feeling yeah. really, really mad, you could give him a high D. Nah, uh, you're right. Yeah, like the, the, this is just gonna C. be like a B minus with like. N- six pages of text in the margins you think it's worse than it is because ikuni's worst is comparable to other people's best or at least ikuni's most mediocre is equivalent to a lot of people's best what's really happening here is that i came in from the anime and i have a lot of strong feelings about it as you all can probably tell what so reading a version of it that kind of like Again, it's kind of like falling into the Shinji Ikari Raising Project, 
when you were expecting a straight adaptation of Evangelion, and it's like, this isn't really bad, but it's not what I came here for. Well, well, Cass, if it makes you feel any better, I didn't have that baggage coming in, and I was I was looking at my Annie List route, like, you know, notes about this, and I said that ultimately I was left underwhelmed by the main cast, so, like, you're not alone there. I mean, I love shoujo manga, I love manga, but yeah, it's just C's get degrees. I, I don't want to say I respect you, Ikuhara, but within that, I suppose I can. Uh, Abby, are you familiar with the Shinji Kari Raising Project? I am not. Okay, so have you seen Evangelion? Yes. I've okay. seen Evangelion and Evangelion. Need to watch the rebuilds and all. Okay, well, just concerning the original Evangelion, this will also, listeners, since I made the joke about the Kareha Subaki raising project, you'll now be able to get this joke if you didn't earlier. You know the part in, like, one of the last couple episodes of Evangelion where there's a little bit of a snippet where it's, like, more, it's Shinji in more of a slice of life going to school anime? vaguely rings a bell okay shinji ikari raising project is essentially just that expanded into its own series so it's shinji ikari just high school au it is like shinji and rei and asuka and like their classmates and stuff doing more of a like slice of life type story well that's exactly what this is yeah so that is why (laughs) Cass and i keep comparing this to that is because not dissimilar project no for sure i mean one thing i was thinking about especially having watched the anime and coming back to this that i didn't notice when i first read it is the fact that they're actually male students yeah not you don't really see them in any sort of focus aside from well we'll get to it but yeah we shall see but that was a huge difference and that definitely it it sets it you know for somebody who came to this the first time like it, it was just like all right there are these bears, there's this obtuse language, Ikuhara's trying to make these grand gestures. Um, will they be turned into anything? Be fulfilled? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, not really. But yeah, it seems pretty just par for the course setup of a shoujo. Yeah. So yeah Kureha's been having this dream. So Kureha goes to school, she wears glasses. It's a very cute look, but it's like very much not the anime look. Uh, she establishes that she is 16 years old and says she is an invisible high schooler, which is very, very interesting because one of the things that comes up in the very first episode of the anime is that Kureha refuses to become invisible. Yeah, it's a weird difference to call out. I I do remember reading the manga. I was a lot more confused about what the invisible storm was. Because in the manga, I don't think it's the same thing. The anime has like a very definite... Yeah, it's what it is. But... It's more surreal in the sense that it's got these kind of not surreal, but over exaggerated. Like has these rituals associated with, like the exclusion ritual and yeah. all of that. Mm-hmm. But that makes it more evident what it actually is. Yeah. Even if you know, I I know. Um, listening to the podcast, I think Vana like got it, like right off the bat, like you know, kind of what the symbolism it's was. Homophobia. It wasn't just this literal. Huh? Uh, I said it's homophobia. <laughs> It is homophobia, yeah. But in this, it's just like, it seems like a literal storm. I remember at the end just being kind of frustrated that I was like, I'm not unintelligent. I'm not not able to follow, like, kind of surreal language. Just, frankly, did not seem very well followed through. (laughs) It's it's not you. It's that the manga is... The anime kind of has an idea for the storm. The Mm -hmm. manga, the storm is more like... 
as far as I can tell, the storm is more the idea of like the storm of of growing up, the storm of life. Yeah, it's more metaphorical, but it's a shame because in something like manga, like you could just make it kind of this visual cue, you know, and make it some sort of like imagery that, you know, like the scent of lilies, right? It kind of wafts everyone, like when the, the breeze comes, like, oh, that's what it feels like. You could do something like a little more abstract like that, and it would really work for the genre, but it just never happens. This manga is more concerned with the Yuri and the Kuma than it is the Arashi, which is part of that, why I think it is That much. is exactly it, actually. Like, in that order, right? Yeah. <laughs> it also has almost no love bullet for two volumes. Anyway, so continuing Kureha's little thing, she clarifies that she's not literally invisible, but she just doesn't stand out. No one notices that she exists. Uh, she says her thoughts sometimes turn gloomy. We get a little thought bubble that literally says gloomy, which... It's very cute. It'll just bonk it on the head, why don't we? Also, uh, while you're looking through my notes, you'll probably notice that things that I have written in green are, like, my commentary versus I've noticed. everything else. Uh, about a third of them are just, Kareha is gay. Yeah. I mean, she wears glasses and it is very cute. It's very also um like Homura at the like the very like the very yeah, beginning of Monica. It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, the very beginning of the loops of, of Homura's yeah. Monica. Homura's yes. <laughs> Homura Lily. <laughs> ah we've come full circle. Hey but yes. So after like a whole thing where we established that Kareha doesn't engage with any of her classmates, someone reaches out and touches her on the shoulder. Surprise, Ginko is in the first chapter of the manga, and Ginko is disappointed that Kareha noticed her because she was trying to surprise her. And Kareha thinks to herself that Ginko always smells like lilies and remarks that Ginko always smells nice, but Ginko says she doesn't wear any perfume. Kareha is already gay. We are five minutes away from these two asking each other out. Yep. We learned that Ginko transferred to the school last month. Kareha calls her beautiful. She's such a kind girl. And she feels like Ginko is hiding something behind that smile. Dun dun dun. So Ginko kind of stares at Kareha's glasses. Kareha's like, oh no, these aren't prescription. I need these for, I think she specifically says for uh, dealing with computer glare. Let's see. In the in the manga, it just at least what I have here, it just she says that they're not prescription and she doesn't like go. Oh, these are P- PC glasses. That's what she says. Oh yes. Oh, I missed the the PC part. Okay. Yes, yeah. That makes sense. What's a PC class? For looking at the PC, the personal computer, like a blue light glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Like reading glasses. No, like blue light glasses. They filter the light from your screen, so because sometimes it gives people headaches, right? Staring at computer screens so long, so it filters the light to make it not as harsh on your eyes. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm curious if that's like a localization choice, like because they could just be like fashion glasses. Yeah, yeah maybe. Too. Yeah, I I read a fan sub version of it, and the fan sub also used um, implied they were blue light glasses. So I don't. Oh, know okay. Either PC glasses means something different in Japanese, or this was the same in both versions. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, so... people, people wear glasses for reasons of the, like, I'm still getting over the idea that people could wear glasses as a fashion thing. Oh, yeah, I used to have, like, a, a, like a girl that was in some of my college classes who would wear, like, 
I mean, they weren't like, they didn't look like just regular glasses, but she would wear tinted lens glasses, like pink or yellow or whatever, like as a, a fashion accessory. And they didn't have like There's a definitely a lot of this in Japan, too. I mean, I think of like those yeah, really it, cute, like, oversized glasses. Uh, yeah, it is strange. a big thing in like Japanese street fashion. Strange, strange. Yeah, I can't relate. <laughs> so it wouldn't be unusual for Kureha to be wearing non-prescription lenses necessarily yep so panda uh i have a bone to pick with your notes <laughs> that's fine i uh took these a couple weeks ago so it's all good so ginkgo mentions that kureha's sixth sense is too sharp and it, to the point where it's almost scary mm-hmm. and the manga establishes that kureha can just some can just read people's expressions and behaviors and discern what they're really thinking mm-hmm and that's why she, she suspects that Ginkgo might be a bear. Yes. Because, and in flashback we see this, as Kuriha sees Ginkgo for the first time when Ginkgo's looking for her classroom, the manga kind of does this as if Ginkgo's saying, I'm a bear to herself under her breath. Yeah. That's what it looks like. That's exactly how I interpreted it. So what's exactly, what's actually happening there is she's not saying anything, Kureha is picking up on what she's saying subconsciously. Okay. That's why we hear that Kureha can kind of discern people's true thoughts right before we see this. So you have the chance to make that connection and go like, okay, this isn't Ginkgo literally just mumbling the words, I'm a bear as she wanders around. This is Kureha intuiting something from like the subtext of how she's acting. All right. You know, like... That is not very well laid out. Yeah, I, because she kind of has her mouth open a little bit, I thought that, like, I, you know, I just, I didn't interpret it as, like, that being part of her sixth sense, but the way that this is all laid out and you saying that actually, you know, makes it make more sense. Yeah. I just assumed that she just says that sometimes, like, yeah, I, like yeah, she says that, or this. or I also interpreted it as like her like mouthing the words. Yeah, she's not saying it. Yeah, and she's reading her lips. That's how I saw it. Yeah, I kind of interpreted it as like her either like whispering or like mouthing to herself or something. Like I don't know to to try and calm herself. <laughs> Mantra, like you know, like to meditate, You're, meditate. I am a strong, bears. beautiful bear. Yeah, I am a strong, beautiful bear. Yeah, it's it's. I think the idea is that because we're seeing this flashback from Kureha's perspective, this is Kureha realizing that Ginkgo, at least Ginkgo thinks of herself as a bear. Your explanation makes a lot more sense, so I'm fine with that. (laughs) Yep. I think Ego just says that she's a bear randomly sometimes. But that is also a thing that happens later, but most of the time when that happens, she says it mentally she never actually says it out loud to someone unless she is confirming it also just didn't strike me as odd that ginkgo might be whispering to herself i am a bear i am a bear (laughs) i mean anime ginkgo would do that exactly anime ginkgo is a lot less clever than manga ginkgo exactly manga ginkgo is a little bit of a schemer anime ginkgo is like pure of heart dumb of ass exactly so we have a montage after that. Yep. Ginkgo is apparently good at table tennis. I want to point out that this is very lore significant for yes. the extended universe. 
yeah, they, we just established that Ginkgo is an athletic girl and all the other girls like her, thus establishing that she is a suitable person to pursue for your Yuri manga protagonist. Yeah. Also, like, this, we did skip over, like, a little bit here, which is that Ginkgo specifically sees Kuriha as a human, and she's surprised by that, which is a not insignificant plot point. Put that in our pocket for later. Put that in your pocket File that in your mind palace. Put you know, a pin in it, it on the wall of your soul. Whatever you need to do, just hold on to it. It, it. Put a pin in that. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Yeah. So Ginko gets invited to go to the arcade, and she has already promised to play Go with the student council president. So we get some cute little interactions between Ginko and Kureha. Ginko just like sniff sniffs Kuriha gives her a rice ball and Kuriha says oh you always get hungry after gym so I made some rice balls to bring with you she knows Ginko gets hungry so she brought the rice balls to share because she's gay yes. <laughs> you just like put the words this is a lie which I'm not sure why you put that there because that's oh. absolutely the truth well no Kuriha says, says just, oh yeah Kuriha says I get hungry after gym Kuriha is speaking of herself when she says that that's she right. gets hungry she is pretending so like oh like i issues. got hungry so i brought this rice ball but you can have it even though we the reader we know it's she knows that ginkgo gets salmon hungry. and mayo rice ball it's ginkgo's favorite salmon and mayo this is not the first or last time or this is the first it is not the last time that that is going to come up that yep. ginkgo loves salmon and mayo panda's notes here just say because she is gay twice uh once in all caps and once in all caps with spaces well that's because she, one she knows that ginkgo gets hungry after class and she made the rice ball because she's gay and she says she knows that Ginkgo is the happiest after she eats a salmon and rice ball, which she knows because she's gay. I also see in your notes a minute later the words, are they gonna bone? <laughs> which is very funny. That's not even the last time that that question is going to come up in this, even though that's the only time I wrote it like that. Ginkgo's sitting around eating rice balls in her underwear, like just casual. I mean, she's also like licking Kareha's finger. <laughs> There was rice on it. I mean, salmon flake actually even more important to a bear. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. So Kureha also has a brief bit where she, after Ginko uh, licks a little salmon flake off her hand, she wonders if Ginko enjoys mm. human meat. Mm. Which uh, that's normal. Extremely. Normal. You know, it's, this makes me wonder if we could think as I'm brought back to the Utsunomanga. Is that what we thought about Prince Licky? Like, <laughs> I'm dead. Christ. I cannot believe that you've brought the name of Kurt. I'm, I'm sorry, but I thought it. I had to bring now, it. That was back. worse than what I was going to do, and I was going to make the joke that this kind of idea would be explored later in the uh, award-winning documentary *B Stars*. <laughs> it's another direction to take it. <laughs> There are two paths, right? It forks, you know. Um, <laughs> you might say there are two wolves inside you. One of them is Paru Itagaki and the other one is Chiho Saito. Yes! Will win. We, have to, we have to get through this. We are only 16 pages into the manga. <laughs> we are never going to get through any of we this We are manga. never going to get through this episode. This, this manga is just a thing. Oh my god, I'm having flashbacks to trying to get anything done with Alice when we were recording uh, the early Gundam Wing episodes of Big Steppy. <laughs> 
so I, I'm just gonna like compress this next bit, even though a lot happens. Yeah, doesn't really matter. Kareha just flat out asks Ginko, "Are you a bear?" Ginko says, "Yes, I am a bear." And she looks like the one or why she doesn't. Kareha immediately jumps to, "You're an alien bear." Ginko goes like, "Well, okay, alien was a step too far. That's ridiculous." And then Kareha goes, "So, what about you being a bear?" No, nah, I'm not a bear. I'm I'm a person. Normal human. Just a normal human. Homo sapiens, but does she emphasize the homo? That's important. <laughs> yeah. She then just goes like, anyway, Kuriha, you're super cool, and I think you're my soulmate, and you are cool enough that you would have been willing to be my friend if I were a space bear. So let's be friends, and Kuriha is enveloped by the scent of lilies. Why does the scent of lilies always remind me of the past? Yeah, that's my brain. Yeah, like, Ginko says, we're the same after all. You're also hiding something. You know, I have read this entire manga over the course of this morning, and I'm still not sure what she is implying that Kareha was hiding there. Maybe we'll find out. Oh, I mean, we're going to discover in, like, the next chapter, but I think it just refers to, like, literally two pages later when she makes her take her hair down and take off her glasses. <laughs> God, that's her true is. that's her true self we're going full rom-com like in the 90s rom-com cowards 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 you can have ponytail glasses and be still really freaking cute but anyway, no. she has her princess diaries makeover <laughs> literally that's what it is Fucking hell. that's that's all i think that is it's supposed to be this big deal oh my god but it's just 90s it's not even the best reveal we get for kureha in this manga no no it's not anyway uh, chapter 2. So I see here the words, the title page for chapter 2 is, as Yurikuma always is, both deeply cute and deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. I really don't like this title page. I, I have it on screen here if you look in the Discord yeah. window. And it is cute. But it also, there's a lot of pansy in this, which I don't love. This straight up, this just looks like a, a frame from Conditions of Paradise to me. Like they it, look a was, lot more adult, for yeah. sure. It's what's interesting to me as a brief aside is that like I don't necessarily disagree with the note you have in here about like while you hesitated to say some things feel kind of male gazy, this one kind of does because I'll I'll fifty I've got a fifty fifty because on one hand I think you're, it kind of feels right on the other hand this looks extremely early two thousands Yuri of the same kind of mm-hmm. time that this artist is doing uh, Conditions of Paradise. Like, this looks exactly like something out of that frame. So it's it's weird. I feel a little uncomfortable calling it male gazing, mostly because one of the things that the internet has taught us over the past few years is there are so many horny women in the world. Yeah, no, I, I meant more like, when I'm watching Yuri Kuma, a lot of times, like the anime, I don't always necessarily feel like what i'm looking at is Mm -hmm. done in a way that follows like things that are supposed to specifically appeal to like weird horny men but some of the imagery in this like with like kareha's pants are like pulled down or like her skirt or whatever is pulled down and like ginkgo's skirt is kind of pushed up like this feels slightly more like what i would expect of like a male gazy take on yurikuma 
I guess. As opposed like, to the anime. Just, you know, and, and that's just, the, that was what I felt like just looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it's more so like, I think it's telling you like this other manga that she did where they were there were adult characters. It definitely feels a lot more adult, and it just doesn't yeah. fit the characters. Like, I mean, I will say, yeah, it doesn't fit the like, it, it yeah, does not fit and that might also like, Ginko, be Ginko more so. Ginko is like uh, feels better to me, I guess. Like she's in her like little bear uniform, and yeah, you see panty, whatever panty shop, but like. Kurnal, it's really uncomfortable for me, like her pants being yeah. pulled down, especially because we literally get, you know, a few pages later that she's like dressing with these these glasses and like with, you know, her hair up because she doesn't want to be perceived by men in this yeah. kind of sexual way. It's just like kind of tone deaf in that regard. Mm. Yeah. It does it does feel like it's I, from I actually a would say that I'm more bothered in a way by Ginkgo in this, and I will explain why. Ginkgo, at least anime Ginkgo, and this is a trait she does share with manga Ginkgo, is not shy enough to cover her face. Mm-hmm. It's kind of coquettish here, and it, that's not yeah, really it's, yeah. it's her. Really, like, out of character for her in a way that's abnormal. Kureha is, like, bothers me a little less in some ways, because at least as far as her manga characterization goes, she does state that she doesn't want to be perceived, but that character arc is going to be dropped by the halfway point of this chapter. So I could see why choosing to have her be the more confident-looking one here would have made sense to the artist. It's just a very weird choice. It doesn't entirely fit who these characters are in the manga or who they are in the anime, in my opinion. Yeah, especially because Kara is still like, wearing her glasses, It's kind of, but her hair is down, so it's like this transition... Like yeah. she's both still hiding from I, you, I, I but feel she's like kind of more open. magical girl transformation, and in a second she's going to like have uh her her moon girl form. So now that we have thoroughly examined the chapter two title page. Chapter two title page, Ginko wants Kurei to show off her true self. And she's like, I know you're hiding something. What are you talking about? Your glasses aren't prescription. She's <laughs> <laughs> just yoinks off Kureha's glasses and goes, I knew it, you were hot the whole time, to which I say, yes, she was super cute with the glasses on. Yeah, glasses Powered. are cute. Powered. Sumika shows up later in this manga <laughs> and is like <laughs> designed to be the cutest possible character. Guys, does Sumika show up in this volume at all? No, nope. she, I didn't she think shows so. up way later. I, I, I kept trying to remember because I remember being shocked in the anime when she got knocked off, you know, in episode, in episode one. And I was like, she like lasted like the entire manga. Like, she in, like volume two or three. It's like the opposite track record to the anime where she shows up immediately and then dies and her death is the catalyst for the story it's like i got so swept up in everything that was happening in the yurikuma manga that i got towards the end and i was like wait where the fuck is sumika you got caught in the invisible storm i got caught up in the invisible storm (laughs) maybe that's the invisible storm all along just the kind of incoherent the invisible storm is the friends we alienated along the way So, we have some stuff happen. Ginko wants to take a selfie with Kureha. Kureha's like, give me my stuff back. Ginko asks why she hides her beauty. And she's like, all the guys would fall for you. You'd be so popular. 
So, Panda, I have to point out uh, one error with your notes, because you are correct that it is weird that there are guys in this world. You are incorrect about there not being guys in the anime except the life judgment guys. Who else? Because there are... That's the one person, yeah. Okay. There's the one male human, that's not who I was talking about. That we see a lot of mask-coated bears, including Milne and Lulu's father. Uh, yeah, you know, I I think in my head I was thinking it's specifically guy humans as opposed to like because the bear world is sort of in my mind the as at least as far as the anime goes the bear world is like a little separate from the the quote-unquote human world, which I guess is is in the anime that's by design. So I I wasn't uh, thinking about it in those terms, but you're right. There are mask-coated bears. There's Milne, which we'll kind of get to in this. Well, not this episode. We'll get to it next episode. But there there are some, aside from the the court boys, there are uh, other mask bears, but not humans and not like students at this school is that's the big change yeah more specifically i think what i meant by that yeah which Mm -hmm. you are correct about i bring that up mostly because i like to be pedantic but also because what you know but because i i actually think it's like worth emphasizing the it's weird that there are male students specifically bit. Yes. That was never a thing that was like, it, it was kind of doubtful how for most of the anime, if like men even exist in this universe. So I'm still aside from the, the bears and the one guy who that one guy we'll get to Kare is Kare in this new... too. Um, Again, I haven't read past yes volume one. No. So. There is a character who has a very similar design. It is not the same character. She does not even share a gender with him, and I cannot oh. tell you anything about her. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we will be seeing a lot of characters we know from the anime, but not really doing anything here. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say Kare does shit, but not that shit. <laughs> very different shit. <laughs> different shit, same day. I mean, what? <laughs> same so, series different shit yeah so kureha starts to basically decides i'm gonna bail and ginko asks like hey are you going to go back to class like that you look weird she's like no i want to go home i don't like it when guys look at me because it's scary and i'm a lesbian yep i, I wish not to be perceived by men <laughs> ginko tells kureha that her senses are super sharp she doesn't need to worry and if anyone does anything ginko will personally punch them yes Kareha also mentions, like, men just looking at her as scary, and when she gets scared, she has the dream about bears. And I think the answer to your question, Panda, is yes, Kareha is always scared. Okay, so yeah, uh, she has the bear dream every night, and she is always scared. That's very sad. Yeah, Kareha has some serious anxiety about men, which, honestly, given what else we're going to see in this chapter in a little bit, or... Well, in the next couple chapters. I find in the next couple right. pages, probably. Yeah. Yep. Ginko asks about the bear dream. Yeah, Kureha basically explains the bear dream. She explains a different version of it where she gets eaten by the bears. Well, yeah, you're not just going to tell your crush that you see her appear in your dreams as like an animal-themed yeah. superhero. Yep. Then Ginko asks if a bear princess who looks like a human shows up in the dreams, and Kureha says... Now that you mention it, yeah, 
<laughs> when you appear in a bear prince as a bear princess, all the bears go away. Oh, How did that's you do that? Typo. Ginkgo just re- reiterates, like, just so you know, Kureha, I'm a human. Well, are you a human possessed by the soul of a bear? That's why sometimes you act like a bear and why you can manipulate my dreams? Where did you get that crazy idea, Kureha? I also want to know where Kureha got that idea. You know what? I think there's an actual answer to that. And it's something that I can't tell you because it is technically a larger spoiler than we'll the fact there, that there are I'm no sure. little bears. Yeah. So a flasher shows up. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I was about to say, why is this here? But then I'm like, oh yeah, this is early 2000s um, manga energy. That's why this is here. Yeah, it, it really is. 2014 with the soul of 2007. I did not anticipate this, and I don't like it. Are you telling me that this isn't your favorite part? Fuck off, Alice. <laughs> it's just like, why, yeah. honestly? It just feels so out of place. I know that I've only read volume one, but like... The this tone is, is all over the place. It's like, it's what the fuck, man? It's going to be the tone of the entire manga. I'm so sorry. I just don't... <laughs> I don't know why this is a thing that happened. I, I think it's a thing that happens specifically to facilitate what, what happens next, which is... Sure. Just grabs Kuriha's hand and says, Screw it. We're going to bail. Don't make any noises and don't turn around. Everything's gonna be fine, and they bail real fast. I like that Ginkgo is able to, like, keep calm under pressure and, like, handle the situation. Yeah. I love that. that. That's that's basically what that that guy is there for. He's there to facilitate Ginkgo making good on actually protecting Kureha. Yeah. Which is not the only time she will try and do that in this volume. So the student council shows up. Uh, asking like if you what they the girls think they're going to be safe from and surprise it's the life judgment guys they're worse than this version but also better maybe I don't yeah, know how I'm not sure honestly the, the student council president guy just has such scumbag vibes from the outset by the by uh, the manga never names any of them there is an omake that confirms that they share their names with their anime counterparts yeah in my notes i just refer to them by their anime names because like i mean yeah. you yeah. know like what's the point yeah like Fixie has like an actual personality in this it's just somehow the worst personality well he hasn't he has an actual personality. The problem he has a personality is that, in the anime, but he's a good joke in the anime. Whereas in the manga, yeah. he has like, a personality like in the manga. But the problem is that his personality in the manga is that he's Toga. Yep, <laughs> I hate him. No, it's exactly it. It's he's a lot better when. Uh, oh God, what's her name? Mitsuko. Mm-hmm. Mitsuko makes a much better Toga than Life Sexy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, she shows up in the manga, by the way, and she is not Toga, and that's all I'm gonna say. She only shows up in, like, one scene in this volume, and I don't even think we'll get to it in this episode. Uh, she, yeah, she will not show up as an actual character until, like, volume three. Yeah, that tracks. And even then, she's a very, she kind of feels, I'll, I'll share my thoughts on that when we get there. We'll burn that bridge when we get to it. So Kareha just rats out the uh, the extort- exhibitionist to the council. As, as she, she should. should. Yep. Uh, Life Sexy's just like, leave this to the men. You should go wait somewhere with safe with Kareha. I think we. it's very important to also note that they are all babies. 
they're all little babies like the life whatever boys they do in the anime they look like adult men and in this they look like they are Korehan ginkgo's age so they look yeah. like little babies yeah, i know <laughs> which also leaves sometimes I can't tell if life sexy is supposed to be life cute and can or life beauty. I always want to call him life cute because he's a little cutie pie, but I life can more. sometimes not tell if it's life sexy or life beauty. I can only go with uh, context clues. Yeah. So Ginko and Curry have a conversation about the, uh, the flasher once the student council presidents have left. Ginko's like guys like that are cowards. Don't worry about them. And you can just ignore them. And Koreha just says, but yeah, but there's a worst case scenario and wonders if the uh, student council members will be okay. But it's fine, Ginko says. The council president has a black belt in karate. It's on this page that we get one of the drawings of Ginko's facial expressions becoming more like her bare self that I love very much about this manga. Yeah. Ginko just kind of confirms, I wish I were a bear so I could rip up that pervert and eat him. If I was a bear, this is what I would do. Yep. Casual. If, if I did it. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was what I was going for. If I did it. Yep. So Koreha just thinks about the fact that Ginko's hand was trembling, which means she was scared too. And, you know, kind of just decides like, Ginko is braver than the troops, literally. Yes. That is actually the conclusion she comes to and kind of asks a little bit more about the student council guy because he's surprised that she that he knew her name, even though they never talked. And Ginko's like, oh, that guy just memorizes the names and faces of every ghoul, girl in the school because he's a filthy womanizer. Anyway, stay far away from him. He's the worst. Yeah, this will come up again. Yep. So they're supposed to go back to class, but they end up ditching because Ginko falls asleep on Kureha's shoulder. Very cute. So Kureha has a... Has a dream where life sexy appears to her and asks would you still like ginkgo even if she was a bear yes do you like her if she were a human yes absolutely are you fine with her not being a boy yes <laughs> and uh Kureha wakes up and uh that was a super big dream but she did in fact just say the words i would absolutely you know i absolutely want to be with ginkgo no matter whether she's a bear or a human and I do not care if she's a boy. Also, Kureha wonders why she and Ginko were naked in her dream. You know, like you yeah, do. Just, just normal things for a normal girl in high school to worry about. Gal pals. They were just very good friends. They were cousins. She was a girl. <laughs> she was also a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? I'm sorry, I, I needed to add a... Um, quotation marks around that and explain that the cousins bit was added by the dub. <laughs> a lot of localization. <laughs> so flashback to chapter three. Uh, the life judgment people are talking to each other. They're having like a little like cosmic tea party. <laughs> yep. They appear to be children. Life sexy says all humans hide behind masks to adapt to societal expectations. Because this manga is secretly about Chunibyo. <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. That's actually the theme of the manga. Is that what you guys were talking about while I was gone? No, that just occurred to me. 
Oh, I just heard like a snippet, which I'm going to cut all that out of this episode. So even the audience are going to be like, why do you guys keep referencing that? But that's what it sounded like. But yeah, Life Cool's like, you never struck me as having an interest in psychology. I prefer Freud's sexier theories. Ugh. Uh, Life Beauty in general is like, but people only wear masks to festivals and parties. But Life's just like, it's a literal metaphor, my dude. Also, why are we all bears now? Got some Alice in Wonderland vibes uh, going oh, on. Oh, very with much this. so. This is the most Ikuni thing in this entire manga so far. Honestly, yeah. yeah. They just have a weird conversation about, like, are people really, do people, like, conceal themselves to deal with society's harsh things? What kind of masks do they wear? And, like, Life Cool goes on a thing about, like, Bears are the beginning and end of everything, the Alpha and Omega. And everyone else just goes, what the heck are you talking about? And then they all wake up. The end. That, it that, was all a dream. That, that, that bit is over now. And uh, thematically, some stuff from it will come back. But uh, there will never be a literal explanation for what happened here. And that's the way I like it. I, it's cute. And it's fun visually. And also, Life Beauty looks like he's about to chomp on like a chess piece, which is really funny. Yup. <laughs> Whose dream is it? It belongs to all of us. Although we'll forget about it. Once we wake up. That, that's how I feel reading a lot of Yukuhara stuff. <laughs> and then you realize it's a waking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is really interesting. And although it is different, I will say it starts off a lot better than the Utena manga, which... Cass, I don't remember if you've actually read it, but for the listeners who joined along with us and for Alice who also read it, the beginning of the Utena manga is a little rough. Yup. Yeah. Especially the prologue, which I was confronted with the memory of earlier (laughs) while I was looking up information about volume one of the Utena manga, which also we haven't gotten here yet, but like the whole like ginkgo is living with her aunt thing i was like oh no it's the utsuna manga again because <laughs> she's living with her aunt before she goes to otori oh man i'd forgotten about that i can never forget <laughs> really it's prince licky lick for me that's that's the thing that will See, haunt that's me. the one that like i there are only so many facts about the utsuna manga that i'm allowed to forget and i swapped mm. out mr licky lick I, like I, I put that in the the vault of things that I will forget, and I allow myself to remember that Utena lived with her aunt before she go- went to Otori. Hmm. It's a one in one out policy in my brain. Makes sense. So yeah, that is through chapter two of the Yurikuma manga, and we will do chapters three through eight in the next episode. And uh, how is everyone feeling? at the end of this beginning of our journey i am excited to be here but also this is gonna be a uh i I get the feeling this is gonna be a lot less fun to do than the anime podcast this is an academic exercise this this is a little bit like i am going to have some interesting things to say mostly because this manga does have a theme and i kind of like it but I think it hits that theme a lot less well than the anime does. 
yeah, I'm excited to revisit it. Excited, not like woohoo, but like intrigued, I guess, more so to revisit um, the manga because it was my first experience with this story and these characters after having watched the anime, mostly because I remember being really mad at the end of this manga. <laughs> and I love just talking about how Yukohara needs to do better. Yeah, yeah, just kind of being perhaps taking that more academic exercise as we were talking about but yeah and just getting a different perspective and talking with you all and just you know love love being critical of media it's 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 a fun thing to do you know abby real quick before we do finish up Mm -hmm. how do you feel about in broad terms how do you feel about the ending of the anime versus the manga which you seem to not have loved i think honestly in my mind I just remember at the end of... I, I do not remember the manga ending in terms of our actual main characters. I just remember it in terms of Yurika's journey. And I remember being furious. So... <laughs> okay. The end of the anime, I mean, I do think it was like... I found it more thematically cohesive. And I think as Cass mentioned, more impactful. It wasn't like my favorite thing in the world. I just think in terms of Hikohara's works, this is probably one that resonated with me the least. Yeah. But I did think it was more successful in terms of where it landed thematically. I found the ending of this manga in general to be a lot more muddled and not really thematically cohesive in any way. Like I saw what it was, I thought I saw what it was trying to say, but I wasn't, even I was looking at my my notes when I first read it, I was like, I need to think about this because I'm not really sure I like where they landed. (laughs) So now I'll have the time to do that. But generally I remember as much as, I don't know, maybe I like this one better because it had more Eureka in it. That maybe just, <laughs> that might be about it. Even if I didn't like what happened. Damn, I just loved her character design. So yeah, that's what I recall. I remember, yeah, again, echoing what Cass said, the anime was a lot more cohesive and I think more powerful in terms of what it was doing, whereas the manga, which I think it's really interesting. We've even kind of already identified. It's just it doesn't really have an idea of where it's going. It's just kind of like wandering and hitting all of these points, but there's no real, even the first couple chapters, it's a little all over the place. And Alice, how do you feel about all this? I think I, you know, I'm also on the not super impressed with the, with the comparison. You, Cause you've read the whole manga, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm the only one who hasn't. This will be fun. I'm excited. I have read it multiple times, even. Ooh, I knew that you had read it once. I didn't know that it was more than once. I, approaching it as a continuation of, or as a sort of a part of something I associate with Yurikuma, it sounds good. But I did, I I liked it a little better when I thought about it in terms of just, like, if I had encountered this as just a random Yuri manga. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. From like 2010. Because it's not bad on its own by any stretch. Yeah, I probably would have liked it quite a bit. And uh, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, but it's hard to talk about it in a way that doesn't come across as just like the two minute hate. So (laughs) I will try my best. Well, we can be critical. I'm actually pretty happy to know, uh, to figure it out who the artist was here. Because I knew that the art style, like, was really really familiar and it bugged me and now i know why it bugged me i was like ah yes i know who this person is so it's nice i might end up reading conditions of paradise again (laughs) and if you were listening to this and you are like dang i i would like to have a taste of that old school yuri manga that i like 
Conditions of Paradise is right there, and it is okay. It is resoundingly decent. (laughs) Well, I am excited to read more of this and to read more of the manga in general because it just the fact that it is so different means that I don't really know what to expect and that's fun it is a lot more fun when you don't really necessarily know where things are going to be going so I'm excited about that and I'm excited to hear what you guys have to think about this series as we keep going through the manga but uh, we will get to that next episode and listeners if you would like to follow us on twitter you can do that at newsnacast and if you'd like to follow me on twitter you can do that at impandonata alice where can people find you online um they can find me online at lyrewolf l-y-r-e-w-u-l-f that's on twitter and Cass, where can people find the podcast that you do with your lovely wife alice That's a great question. You can't find me, but you can find my podcast on social media. Uh, Our official Twitter account is at SteppyCast. And uh, you can find our podcast, Big Steppy, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We are a podcast about real robots, cool robots, and real cool robots. And pretty soon here, we're going to be recording an episode where we try to blitz the rest of Gundam Wing. Because, good lord, that rewatch took a lot longer than we planned. There's just so many Gundam Wing. There is so many Gundam Wing and so little energy for the back half of that series. It does drag a little compared to the front half. And Abby, should you wish to be found, where can people find you and the things that you do? That's a great question. What do I do online these days? But, you know, whatever I do, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Abby Say Swords or Abby Says Words. Um, that's A-B-B-Y. I do cosplay theoretically, and I am funny sometimes online. So you can find those things. You, it, you, do, you do cosplay. It's just that uh, the whole world it's has sleeping. had to take a break from cosplaying for about a year and a half now. I have had inspiration to remake my Otori Academy uniform. I just Ooh. need to actually order... It's just a pain in the butt trying to find green fabric that I like. And I ordered some off Etsy, and it's really nice, but not quite the right green. But they only sent me one sample instead of three. Um, They're very kind and sent it for free, so I'm not complaining. They were very sweet. But I need to reorder some because, dang it, it's going to happen. Before before conventions are kosher again, I will remake that uniform because there's another lovely Twitter user who is doing a jury in the New York City area. And I'm like, finally, I can have a jury to shoot with for my shiori. Abby has to find every jury in the New York City area. I, I have a few who've like said they're gonna do jury and um just haven't done it yet and you know the world exploded so I need to be ready, you know, like need to be ready to mess up some jury cosplayers as Shiori. If you were going to cosplay someone from Yuri Kumo, would it be Yurieka or do you think it would be someone else? It would have to be because she's the only one I care enough about even though I would not cosplay her probably for the same reason I wouldn't cosplay Riza Hawkeye one of the loves of my life um, because the wig seems to be a pain in the ass I feel like you would make a cute Kareha yeah I like her I like I do like her like her hair like I'm looking at the the cover like that kind of nice blonde yeah I do like her outfit Um, I love her little shoes which are actually remarkably similar to Utena's now that I look at them see you've already got the shoes it's 
it's it's not it's not i don't if i had to think of another character from another eco horror show yeah i you know i really i'd really have to think about it i i don't know I don't think I'm going to let that man have that power over me, you know? He got Utena. You know, but I also want to know what other Ikuhara character you would cosplay. So we will, <laughs> next time we do record for the manga, I will try to remember to ask you what other Ikuhara character you think that you would want to oh, cosplay. Man. So you got to think about it. I'll I'll think about it. I'll be mad about it, but I'll think about it. You could just do <laughs> Kepi and do like in the stage show where they just had him with like the big, the Kepi body with like the white, like Zentai suit legs. Oh, what's her face? Oh, it could be that what's her, f- no, no. There's what's her face in Penguin Drum who looks like Jerry, but it's not. And has oh, the, the Takarazuka girl. It's not the Takarazuka girl. It's this other girl. It's been it's been a hot minute since I watched any of Penguin Drum, and I only You're saw free. like about a like maybe two thirds of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. Maybe maybe her, but she also made me mad, so I don't know. Well, next but time you have Penguin. to remember what her name is. I I do. That's that your homework the, assignment. The okay. Okay. <laughs> All well, right. I'll do my best. Uh, listeners, if you would like to support us on patreon you can do that at utanacast.com you can find ways to support us there you can get pins or a keychain or all three if you support us at the mikage 15 dollar level for uh three months in a row you can get one of each of the pieces of merch and i am thinking about we should probably do a yurikuma pin but I don't know what I want to do, so we'll have to think about that. But until then, we, we have some lovely Utena pins and keychains. If you would like to see me reblog Utena fan art on Tumblr, you can do that at imagineutena.tumblr.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can do that at the Google form in our pinned tweet where you can let us know that you would like to come on the show, or you can send us an email at imagineutena at gmail.com. And that is all of our things so uh as we must end every episode of imagine me and you rikuma gal 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 i gotta get back to the right window i've got like five windows open <laughs> <laughs> look for the bare necessities the